MSW Media. News with swearing. Daily beans, daily beans. Daily beans, daily beans. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Wednesday, May 13th, 2020. Today, an historic hearing in the Supreme Court over Trump's personal and business financial subpoenas. Fauci and other health experts testify about coronavirus before the Senate. The Justice Department steps in to weigh hate crime charges in the death of Ahmaud Arbery. And Judge Sullivan issues a minute order in the Flynn case. I'm your host, A.G., and with me today is Jordan Coburn. Hello. Hello, Yesh. How are you? Yesh. I'm great. Excellent. Same old, same old. Living in clutter and filth in my new place. <laughs> well, you're unpacking, to be fair. Yes, I am. <laughs> <laughs> you're going to get a bidet? You're going to install a bidet? God, I think this is kind of a tiny toilet. <laughs> I don't know if standard bidets will fit onto it. It's a... Huh. Yeah, and it's an, like I said, it's like a converted Airbnb, so I don't really want to fuck with a toilet, but... um. <laughs> I'm probably just going to keep it the old-fashioned way. I have a quite a nice, reasonable stockpile of toilet paper at this point, so I'm actually doing okay on that, finally. Yeah, we're getting it back now, so I think it's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. How are you? I'm good. Really uh, started, woke up, crack of dawn to listen to oral arguments, uh, and we're going to be talking to former federal prosecutor... Renato Mariotti about what he thinks are the standout moments and and what you know we're going to discuss those oral arguments very historic case first time everyone got to listen to it live um, and it's you know got a lot of implications the way the decision comes down so we'll talk to him about that uh, I think I have some predictions I have some beans I think the congressional subpoenas will be decided uh, six to three in favor of the House with Gorsuch and Roberts joining the libs. And I think the Manhattan case will be, that's the Cy Vance Mazars mm-hmm. subpoena, I think will be eight to zero or eight to one with Alito either dissenting or not voting because uh, he's a butthole. That's what I think. Cool. So victory is what you predict. Yeah, but that I'm, you know, I'm an eternal optimist. So we'll see what happens, though. I think we'll find out end of June, mid-July, something like that. They could come back sooner, but that's sort of the timeline everyone, all the experts are are putting out there. Um, and then, of course, uh, after that interview with Renato about the Supreme Court oral arguments today, uh, you and I will be going over the good news and the quarantine confessions. So I'm excited about that as well. Indeed. But we do have, uh, we want to go over the... Um, testimony today in the Senate. So let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. All right. So Jordan, you uh, you were privy to all the stuff that went on in the Senate. I was listening to <laughs> I was listening to SCOTUS. So tell us uh, about what happened today. Yeah. So biggest person that was testifying was Fauci, and he essentially just kind of made points that we've been hearing. And he answered some questions directly uh, that were more specific, I guess. But overall, his messaging is just, we do not have the coronavirus, uh, COVID-19 under control currently. 
please do not be lulled into a false sense of security, especially with this new inflammatory disease we're seeing come up in children. He said that he's afraid people are going to start thinking that, you know, they can start being more relaxed and everything, and then this other demon's going to rear its head, and they have no idea really a lot about how this inflammatory disease is functioning, basically. All they know is that people are kids are getting it. Uh, so... On top of that, he's afraid of a second wave coming, and he's saying if we also get too lax, the second wave could be super bad, and we could see a spike again that inevitably will lead to a lot more deaths in the fall. So when we're talking about things like reopening schools, you know, he he acknowledges it's going to be a lot different by each region, because each region just has a different propensity for spreading of the virus, just based on, you know, population density or, or like the demographics of the area, but... All in all, essentially, the message that we got from him today in that testimony was, we're not over with this. We need to be very diligent, and we need to stay on top of things, and please don't think that it's over right now. Uh, and then there were some other moments with fucking Rand Paul that I'll go over at the end just because it's good TV. He's such a fucking asshole. <laughs> But yeah, I was going to ask about that because you had mentioned, you know, the the kids, uh, do, you know, Fauci talking about the kids. And I was wondering if that was in response to what I'd been hearing and seeing Rand Paul talking about. Yeah, I can cover the Rand Paul stuff uh, at the top. It is it truly is. He's just such a dick. I hate sorry to use a gendered <laughs> term to describe someone being an asshole, but he is like so fucking awful. But essentially what he was saying is. You, Dr. Fauci, don't know how to make decisions about the economy, and you shouldn't be the end-all. Uh, his exact words were, I think we ought to have a little bit of humility in our belief that we know what's best for the economy, and as much as I respect you, Dr. Fauci, I don't think you're the end-all. I don't think you're the one person that gets to make the decision. We can listen to your advice, but there are people on the other side saying there's not going to be a surge, and then we can safely open, and that, and then we can safely open the economy, and the facts will bear this out. And so that's <laughs> yes humility. He he was wait, okay. So <laughs> so a guy who so a guy who didn't get a master's degree and went on to fuck up at op, optometry school. Yes, an ophthalmologist uh, is, is his doctor, which is dope. Op- not knocking on that sweet. at all. But when you're talking to an no, infectious no, disease specialist, no, I am not ophthalmologist shaming. <laughs> uh, I I want to put that out there, but I am Rand Paul shaming. You don't call for humility and knowing what you're talking about if you don't fucking know what you're talking about. Exactly. And Fauci responded oh, really respectfully. Dunn Kruger. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Yeah, he was nice. He was real nice. Yeah, he was way nicer than he needed to be. He's just constantly a professional. Like, he just doesn't take bait. You're never going to see that from Fauci. He just doesn't do that. I think that's one of the benefits of having people, you know, in the political sphere right now that are not politicians. They don't take bait. They don't care about good TV. They just want to follow science, and they just want to follow evidence, and that's what he's here to do, and he said that explicitly but Fauci responded to Rand Paul saying that he never made himself out to be the end all and only and didn't make himself to be the only voice in this either he said there's a number of other officials who weigh in on the strategy and this is a direct quote I'm a scientist a physician and a public health official I give advice according to the best scientific evidence I don't give advice about economic things I think we better be careful if we are not cavalier in thinking that children are completely immune to the uh, Dilid 
deleterious? Dele- how do you... I don't know any words. <laughs> it's it's <laughs> wait. D- Come on, Jordan. Have humility. Have some humility. <laughs> Every fucking day now. It's a curse. I keep reaching for the diction stars. <laughs> keep your but feet on the is- ground and keep reaching for the stars. Yes. Wait. Okay. D e l e t. E R I O S. How do you say that? Uh, you got me. Uh, I'm a doctor, and I don't know that one. Although I'm not an ophthalmologist. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna give three options: A, B, and C. <laughs> Our listeners can say which of any are right. Deleterious. <laughs> deleterious. I don't think that's it. <laughs> and deleterious. And, uh, yeah, deleterious. Right. Yes. <laughs> Anyways, that word. Uh, completely immune to the <clears throat> effects. Uh, he said he went on to say, "You're right in the numbers that children in general do much, much better than adults and the elderly, and particularly those with underlying conditions. But I am very careful and hopefully humble in knowing that I don't know everything about this disease, and that's why I'm very reserved in making broad predictions." That's a nice little dig at him. I'm <laughs> humble in knowing that I don't know everything about this disease because if the fucking head of our strategy right now basically on the scientific community and can admit he doesn't know everything about the virus, that should really shut Rand Paul the fuck up, but it doesn't. Here, wait. Deleterious. Uh, it means causing harm or damage. Why doesn't he just say that? <laughs> because he's got to be fucking smart and shit. <laughs> harmful harmful okay okay beautiful <laughs> thank you <laughs> that's helpful oh uh, god um well that was that so fauci said something that was like just rude it's just rude kind of because i mean it's like if you f- if that's how you feel, don't tell Fauci that. Fauci didn't self-appoint himself into that position. He was asked to join the committee and like sit in that role and do his best. And so when Rand, which he is doing, I believe, and uh, yeah, when Rand Paul's accusing him of trying to be like the number one voice, everything about Fauci at this point, if anything, demonstrates that he's like, leave me the fuck out of your bullshit, dude. Just, I- I'm here to provide information when I can. Other than that, I'm not going to take any bait. And they just keep trying to bait him. But mm. he didn't He didn't bite. Um, another thing that Fauci talked about, he talked about vaccine testing. Uh, he said he made it really clear that their vaccine trials are designed specifically to represent minority and at-risk populations. And he made reference to them doing this with the AIDS crisis as well. So, you know, basically that's just meaning if you're going to design a vaccine, it's got to have the most affected in mind. Otherwise, it's pointless, basically, and incredibly ineffective. His exact words were, And the design of our clinical trials and the sites that we've chosen in our clinical trial network is going... Wait. And the sites that we've chosen in our clinical trial network is going to be very representative of being able to get minority populations and populations at most risk to be part of the trial. So we know during the trial that the relative efficacy as well... So we know... Oh my god. During the trial, what the relative efficacy as well as potential adverse events. Um, 
So that was okay. good to hear him acknowledge and say that. Very, very good to know that that's the mindset of people that are at the federal level working on this. I know Gavin Newsom has laid this out specifically in his plans to tackle, you know, administering testing and just resources and, and everything. But it's good to hear somebody at the very top level that apparently, you know, is in Trump's ear and, and he says he has a decent working relation with Trump. So hearing him say that, uh, which he also said today that him and Trump have a good relationship, hearing him say that and then him hearing him say this is comforting. Yeah. And and I mean, that's just, you know, that's just outlining how science works with with researching vaccines. You know, phase one right. is is safety. Phase two is efficacy and then testing on a broader scale and then distribution. And, and uh, you know, I I, uh, I will say and I have to hand it to Fauci uh, for this, uh, that I don't think this administration has any fantasies about getting a vaccine out by the end of the year. So at least there's that at least. Mm-hmm. you know they aren't pushing that um cuz you it would be devastating not just to the fighting of coronavirus but to the idea of vaccines in general to put out an unsafe vaccine without proper testing and efficacy right yeah one that's unsafe or one that yeah exactly doesn't prove to be effective to the populations that have the most complications and the highest rates of death yeah totally uh then then there was there was another moment where he was asked about his relationship with trump uh he was he said that he does not have a confrontational relationship with trump he was asked by republican senator kelly loffler um if he had a bad relationship with Trump, and he said, there is certainly not a confrontational relationship between me and the president. As I've mentioned many times, I give advice and opinions based, an opinion-based, evidence-based scientific information. He hears that, he respects it, he gets opinions from a variety of other people. But in no way, in my experience over the last several months, has there been any confrontational relationship between us. Yeah. And that's probably, you know, all his doing. I mean, I would have answered Kelly Loeffler's question saying, did you see the conversation I just had with Rand Paul? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, <laughs> do I seem confrontational to you or do I just come in and give facts and then, and then you know, yeah. Homer Simpson it back into the shrubs? <laughs> totally. He's a pretty reasonable guy. That not Now, that's not to say that he doesn't believe things that kind of go against what Trump himself says, for example, you know, the death counts. Uh, Fauci said, again, that there's no way that deaths haven't been undercounted and that the death toll isn't higher than what we already think. So, you know, not not to say they agree on everything necessarily, but at least behind the scenes, there isn't some shitty relationship between them that's going to result in his ouster, at least not right now. Hopefully. Yeah. Fingers crossed. Yeah. Uh, and then finally, last thing I wanted to cover, there was a moment with Mitt Romney where he asked him, basically, there's a suggestion that, you know, <laughs> Trump made the, suggest- the suggestion that it's Obama's fault uh, and that he's responsible for the lack of a coronavirus vaccine. And Mitt Romney asked him about that, basically, just generally. And 
his question was, the president said the other day that President Obama is responsible for lack of vaccine. Dr. Fauci, is President Obama, or by extension, President Trump, did they do something that made the likelihood of creating the vaccine less likely? To which Fauci responded, no, neither of them did. And I was surprised that he made that comment. But no, I don't believe that either of them have contributed um, to that. And in fact, we're actually making a lot of strides very quickly. So I'm fucking Romney. If all Republicans were like Romney, it would be such a different place. I know. I know. I'm not I'm not trying to kiss his ass. Obviously, he's advocated and done like horrifying things policy wise. He still believes in things I fundamentally don't believe in. But if you're going to be a Republican, be like Romney. Right. (laughs) He's like, he's just, he's so much more reasonable and he doesn't, he takes like very little pleasure in buying into the theatrics. Also, there was that whole impeachment thing. That's a big, (laughs) that's a big plus on his resume for me. Yeah. And Trump hates him already. So he's like, well, what the fuck? I'll just be honest, you know? What, yeah, what, what, is Trump going to get mad at me? He, I already impeached him. So yeah, and he's so safe in his state. I think, pretty sure, in terms of like electability. Yeah. Oh, in in Utah, Mitt Romney. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. He's he is he is the white horse. God, everything's so messed up. Ugh. Anyways, that's my A block. Everybody. Nice. Yes. Nice. Yeah, and I know that uh, Dr. Redfield was there. There was a lot that went on, but I think the Fauci stuff was, I think, the most grounding and eye-opening, at least. You know, first Mm -hmm. of all, that like you mentioned, the whole, uh, he said the death count is certainly lower than it actually is. It's certainly lower. Than it than is being reported. Yeah, I think I misspoke. That's what I meant. And uh, and well, I you didn't misspeak. You were just paraphrasing. And then, and then of course, you know, saying if we aren't careful, we could have an outbreak that we are unable to control. And and that's big too, especially with the news. I'll cover this in the B block, but the news coming out of Wuhan right now that they've got a little outbreak cell there after lifting their lockdown on April eighth. It's been a month, and that's about how long it takes. So. And and their idea of lockdown is a little more stringent than ours, <laughs> so um, you know their 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 release of lockdown is probably more strict than our actual lockdown. You know what I mean? Um, but yeah, we'll see. Uh, all right. Well, thanks for that. Uh, I know you'll be back a little bit later. Uh, for the for the good news block and quarantine confessions, so I'm looking forward to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, we will be right back with more headlines right after this break, so stick around. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hey everybody, it's AG, and this episode of Daily Beans is brought to you by Beachbody On Demand. Right now, while we're all stuck at home, it's easy to stay planted on the couch, and I've been eating not the healthiest, um, uh, because, you know, comfort food, but we need to stay active, we need to keep moving, we need to do our best to stay healthy, both physically and mentally, it's crucial to keep up the momentum. And you can work out and even take classes in the comfort of your own home with Beachbody On Demand. Beachbody On Demand is the easy-to-use streaming service that gives you instant access to over 1,300 super effective workouts suited for any at any time. Beachbody On Demand is the best streaming workout platform. I first used them, gosh, over two years ago. Um, I did the Focus program. Um, and 
I lost a bunch of weight. It was great. It was easy. I did it in the, in the privacy of my own home. And they're, you know, they're the company behind P90X and Insanity and the 21 Day Fix. And they have new programs like Morning Meltdown 100 and 80 Day Obsession. Uh, and I start my day now. I, I, I'm doing the 80 Day Obsession and I feel stronger and more accomplished before my first cup of coffee. The coffee is my reward, uh, along with a little Animal Crossing. But with Beachbody On Demand, you get motivated by celebrity super trainers um, like Sean T., uh, T25, that's the, the one that I did. And and you have access to over hundreds of effective workouts for all fitness levels. And there's weight training, cardio, yoga, dance workouts, workouts that need no equipment, m- mindfulness, meditation, uh, Pilates, yoga. And you can exercise on your own schedule. You know, they have workouts as short as 10 minutes and some are an hour long. So, and, you know, like I said, some require equipment, some don't. It's really, really easy. And there's a lot of modifications. Um, and it's it's just really, really friendly for everybody. And so in the time it takes you to drive and park at the gym you could be finished working out and we can't go to the gym right now anyhow so this is just absolutely wonderful and you can access it anytime on the computer tablet smartphone or more and it's the best deal in fitness and our listeners can try it absolutely free i want you to check out beach body so right now our listeners get a special free trial membership when you text daily beans all one word to 30 30 30 you'll get full access to the entire platform for free give it a try it's free trial um, and you get all the workouts the nutrition information the support totally free again just text daily beans all one word to 30 30 30 All right, everybody, welcome back. The Justice Department is now weighing whether the murder of Ahmaud Arbery was a hate crime. Ahmaud Arbery was jogging when he was gunned down by a father and son in Georgia in a case where the cops had video of it for over 70 days and did nothing. It wasn't until it was released to the public and went viral that the two men were charged by grand jury for murder and aggravated assault. But Georgia doesn't have a hate crime statute. Um, So, you know, just in case you didn't know, not all states have hate crime statutes. So the Department of Justice is now reviewing that to see whether it qualifies as a hate crime, federal hate crime. Plus, they're investigating the delay, the 70-day delay, and, and how the investigation was handled. A spokesperson for the Department of Justice, Carrie Kupek, said, We are considering the request of the Attorney General of Georgia and have asked that he forward to federal authorities any information that he has about the handling of the investigation. Unquote. And she added, The Civil Rights Division of the Department of Justice, the FBI, and the U.S. Attorney for the Southern District of Georgia have been supporting and will continue to fully support and participate in the state investigation. Uh, we are assessing all of the evidence to determine whether federal hate crime charges are appropriate. Unquote. Um, so, spoiler alert, they are. Um, supporters of the two murderers contend that Ahmad was robbing houses in the area, but the video shows he's clearly jogging. And even so, uh, he, you know, he could have been running down the street wearing a ski mask, carrying bags of cash. That still does not justify murder. It doesn't justify any of this. Um, it's what a racist and weak argument that is to make. Um, Meanwhile, we have people like Michael Flynn who lie about discussions with Russia about sanctions compromising our national security. And the the Justice Department wants to dismiss those charges that he pleaded guilty to twice. Um, So that's cool. But if Department of Justice comes back and says there's no hate crime here, the motivation for doing so will be uh, blatantly obvious, in my humble opinion. And from Reuters today, uh, Wuhan, China, Wuhan province in China has reported its first cluster of coronavirus infections since a lockdown on the city was lifted a month ago. And this, of course, is stoking concerns of a wider resurgence of the pandemic. And let me remind you, their lockdown uh, is a little stricter than ours, as I said earlier. Um, The Wuhan Health Authority said we must resolutely contain the risk of a rebound. 
From Reuters, quote, new confirmed cases reported in China since April have been low compared with the thousands every day in February, thanks to a nationwide regime of screening, testing, tracing, and quarantine. All this while Beijing said Friday that they'd slowly begin reopening museums, cinemas, and other venues with restrictions on, you know, you have to make reservations and there's, there's a limited number of visitors allowed. But some Shanghai night spots and clubs are still open or are opening now. And of course, Shanghai Disneyland is open again, um, but to a reduced number of guests. It's of note uh, that all of the latest cases reemerging in Wuhan were previously classified as asymptomatic. Hundreds of uh, such cases are being monitored since they lifted the lockdown April 8th. Also of note, China does not include asymptomatic cases in its overall count of confirmed cases, which is currently at 82,918, with a reported 4,633 deaths. Compare that to our count here of 1.35 million cases and over 82,000 deaths. Our deaths are about equal to their cases, and Obviously, neither of our numbers are correct. As we went over in the A block, Dr. Fauci is saying that we are severely underreporting that. Not severely, uh, certainly underreporting that. I want to make sure I get the right adjective there. Um, and our model here in the U.S. has been adjusted again, uh, this time up to 147,000 deaths. And I have it here. I have some of these dates uh, and, and projections. We had on April 28th, uh, which is 14, two weeks ago, the model said 74,000 dead by August 4th. May 10th, which is two days ago, 137. So they went from 74 to 137,000. And two days later, up to 147,000. It keeps going up. And uh, it's not because we're doing a great job. That's all I have to say about that. And in response to the economic crisis mounting against the middle class here, because of the pandemic, Nancy Pelosi introduced a $3 trillion coronavirus stimulus plan that the House is expected to vote on this Friday. Progressives say it doesn't go far enough, and Senate Republicans say it's way too much, and there hasn't been enough time since the last package passed to determine whether we need a new one. This is from the people who think you can live on $1,200 for 10 weeks. Well, even with that ridiculous, privileged piece of shit, eat the rich view, it's been eight weeks since the CARES Act was passed, so... And this is, as I said, I, when that first package came out, was proposed, uh, it was one, like $1.5 trillion, and then it went up to $2 trillion. I said it needed to be at least $4 trillion. It needed to be equal to our uh, GDP. Uh, and uh, they were like, no, and, and yeah, they, Republicans winnowed it down to, to $2 trillion. Now they're proposing $3 trillion. And progressives, well, actually, even Nancy Pelosi, it was $4 trillion. I'll get to that in a second. But, it's, it, you know, the first one fell short. We said it would fall short. And it would create the necessity for a second one that the Republicans would most surely oppose. And that's why and by then all of us would be in a much more dire situation, which we are. Um, some of the things this bill includes, it includes $875 billion for state and local governments, uh, though we did report the Southwest Alliance of States uh, yesterday requested a trillion just for them. Um, the, you know, the little Colorado, Washington, Nevada, uh, you know, that alliance that we formed over here. Uh, so that, you know, they're saying eight, seven, $875 billion for everybody. Uh, and just our alliance over here is asking for a trillion. It also includes $20 billion each for all the tribal nations and U.S. territories and includes provisions to support multi-employer pensions. It has $75 billion to ramp up testing and contact tracing, something both parties agree needs to happen. That became clear during the Fauci hearings today. 
And it includes $75 billion for mortgage relief, $100 billion for renter's assistance, $25 billion for the Postal Service, and $3.6 billion for, to shore up elections. Uh, it would also include another $1,200 stimulus check, but instead of 500 for each kid, it would be 1200 for each kid this time. And another $10 billion uh, for the Paycheck Protection Program for small businesses. And then she goes after the Republican tax bill, um, one of the provisions in there, uh, by including a provision that will give people the ability to deduct state and local taxes. And another provision in the bill, in this one, would expand access to bank accounts and loans for cannabis businesses. Pelosi warns the Dems she, on a conference call that she, she warned them, some of this, you're going to be disappointed. You're going to say it doesn't go far enough. Her original proposal was $4 trillion, like I said. Uh, but it had to be winnowed down. Had we gone with $4 trillion in the upfront, we might not have this issue now. It's going to be more expensive. The cheap ends up being more expensive. Judge Marilyn Millian taught me that. Um, Anyway, uh, $4 trillion, she said it was, but had to be winnowed down to be passable. Uh, in, even with the winnowing down, quote-unquote, the GOP is dismissing the bill, calling it a liberal wish list that would go nowhere in the Senate. So feeding your families, mortgage relief, renter's relief, um, that's, a, that's a liberal wish list. But despite that, Pelosi is hoping the House passage of the bill would put pressure on the Senate GOP leaders into negotiations for the next round. So a lot of people are just seeing this bill as not realistic, but a good jumping off point, I guess. So that's what Republicans in the Senate are doing for you. Uh, meanwhile, Pelosi is also pushing a separate bill that will allow remote and proxy congressional voting, something else Republicans are fighting. So, interesting. And finally, drumroll please, the big news of the day. Judge Sullivan responds to the Department of Justice's motion to dismiss the Flynn case today with a lengthy minute order. Allow me to read it to you. Given the current posture of this case, the court anticipates that individuals and organizations will seek leave of the court, that means permission from the court, to file amicus curiae briefs pursuant to Local Civil Rule 7.0. There is no analogous rule in the local criminal rules, but the local civil rules govern all proceedings in the United States District Court for the District of Columbia. Quote, an amicus curiae, defined as a friend of the court, does not represent the parties, but participates only for the benefit of the court. Uh, that's from U.S. versus Microsoft, 2002. Thus, it is solely within the court's discretion to determine the fact, extent, and manner of the participation. That's from Jin v. Ministry of State, SAC, 2008. Quote, an amicus brief should normally be allowed when a party is not represented competently or is not represented at all, or when the amicus has an interest in some, when the person filing it has some other interest in another case that might be affected by the decision in this case, or when the amicus has unique information or perspective that can help the court beyond the help that the lawyers for the parties are able to provide. So, he goes on to say, Although there is no corollary in the local criminal rules, a person or entity may seek permission, leave of court, to file an amicus curiae brief in a criminal case. Um, and he then says, he then quotes Judge Jackson. He says, as Judge Amy Berman Jackson has observed, while there may be individuals with an interest in this matter, a criminal proceeding is not a free-for-all. Then he says, accordingly and at the appropriate time, the court will enter a scheduling order governing the submission of uh, amicus curiae briefs. So I wrote a translation of this on Twitter 
on our at Mueller she wrote account. Let me read it for you. I'll give you I'll give you what he's saying here. Um, and I also asked Barb McQuaid, Renato Mariotti, Illy Honig, jo- uh, Joyce White Vance, Maya Wiley, if I was on the right track. I don't want to be wrong here. Um, I say, in this minute order, I think he's saying, hey, y'all, I'm going to open this up to amicus briefings, and I'll give you that schedule soon, but check it out. Don't be an asshole about it. You can file an amicus brief pursuant to the rules, uh, but there's a couple of things to keep in mind. Amicus briefs are for the benefit of the court, not the benefit of either party. And I can deny it if it doesn't help the court beyond what the lawyers can provide, or if you don't have an interest in a different case that might be affected by this one. Uh, But in either case, I have sole discretion, the court has sole discretion, as to whether to grant or deny permission for you to file your amicus brief, and I expect there are some coming. And while you're allowed to file, like Amy Berman Jackson said, Judge Jackson, if you're nasty, it's not a free-for-all, so keep that in mind. There are a lot of, there's a lot of speculation about what he's doing. Uh, Some people are saying this is a brilliant move on his behalf because he can delay ruling on the motion to dismiss filed by the Department of Justice by asking for these amicus briefs, opening it up and saying, hey, who wants something to say? There's rules. Here's the rules. But who wants something to say? Oh, and by the way, I'll tell you in a while when I, when they're due. And when, when I'm open to accept him, I'll give you the window, but not yet. A lot of people think that this is a way he can delay ruling on the motion without anybody being able to appeal it. They can't do it. Trump can't ask for a stay or force a decision here. Um, and some folks think that, you know, he could take these amicus briefings for, for a really long time, dragging it out. Um, I'm trying to figure out what the point of that would be. Um, I guess what's good here is that he didn't just outrightly dismiss the case. Although if he did dismiss the case without prejudice, that's not necessarily bad. It can be picked up again. And the statute of limitations isn't up until January 2022. So if we have a new administration in place, we've got a year to pick that case back up. A lot of people seem to think that this stall, if it is that, um, makes it so Trump can't do anything. I want to Trump can pardon him today. It does, regardless of the disposition of this case. So it's not that. Um, to me, I feel like he's he is there is a delay. He is buying some time, uh, and he's doing it in a way that uh, can't be appealed or stopped or blocked in any way. Uh, But more likely is what Barb McQuaid said, because if you remember, I had asked her, am I right on this? And she responded, yes, you are correct, because neither party opposes the motion to dismiss. Judge Sullivan will be inviting non-parties to file briefs as friends of the court to make the argument for the other side to assist him in assessing the motion. So neither party opposes the motion to dismiss, obviously. Flynn wouldn't oppose it, and the DOJ filed it, so they don't oppose it. But now you could have, let's say, uh, I asked uh, Ellie Honig, who we'll talk to again this weekend. Um, He clearly doesn't want submissions from every wacko out there. He probably just wants to hear from some former prosecutor types. Maybe Covington, that's what I immediately thought. Maybe Covington Burling wants to submit a brief to the court. Um, 
maybe other high-profile groups, ACLU, um, Crew, Citizens for Responsibility and Ethics in Washington. Um, but, you know, they have to follow those amicus brief rules, uh, which he outlined, and he made a point of outlining in the minute order. I've never seen that before with, with rules and citations and stuff. Like, it, it seemed like a warning. Like, you know who you are. I know who I know you're going to try to file. You shouldn't file. But honestly, I, I just don't know. But but what it means is that this continues and it can't be stopped right now. And I mean, obviously, Trump can pardon him, but that would be a win. <clears throat> so, you know, pardoning the guy you fired. For lying. Interesting. We will keep you posted on this. Um, and right after this, I am going to talk to Renato Mariotti about the Supreme Court oral arguments that I'm sure we all listened to this morning. I was up West Coast, uh, 7 a.m. to listen, and there was a lot of really good points and, and, and things in there. There were some struggles, too, and we'll go over that right after the break, so stick around. Hey, everybody, it's AG, and this portion of Daily Beans is brought to you by Ritual. Now, more than ever in these COVID-19 days, I'm trying to focus on nutrition and health because I want to keep my immune system strong. It's very important. Uh, And that's why I want to share with you Ritual, the obsessively researched vitamin for women. Ritual's essentials have the nutrients most of us do not get enough of from food, myself especially because I'm an intermittent faster, so I have a lot of gaps in my diets. And they do this in clean, absorbable forms. There's no shady additives or ingredients that can do more harm than good. And it's just too easy to take capsules, not with nine nutrients that you need to support a strong foundation for your health. Uh, I started taking Ritual a while ago, a long time ago, and I, I feel you know a lot of more energy and clarity. And during these times, I feel good knowing I'm actually getting all the vitamins that I need to support my immune system. Um, I love taking these vitamins, and they help fill the gaps in, in a women's diet, from D3s to omega-3s. And no nausea capsule design, so you can take it on an empty stomach. Also good for my intermittent fasting. And there's a mint tab in every bottle that keeps things fresh, so you don't get that fishy aftertaste common with most fish oils. Um, Ritual uses vegan-friendly, sugar-free, non-GMO, gluten-free, and allergen-free ingredients. It's very clean. Um, It's delivered directly to you, and a subscription is easy to start, and it's easy to snooze, and it's only a dollar a day to have all the essential nutrients your body needs delivered every month to your door, no strings attached. Better health doesn't happen overnight, but right now Ritual is offering our listeners 10% off during your first three months. So fill in the gaps in your diet with Essential for Women, a small step that helps support a healthy foundation for your body. Visit Ritual.com slash Daily Beans to start your Ritual today. That's 10% off during your first three months at Ritual.com slash Daily Beans. All right, everybody, welcome back. Uh, Joining us today is former federal prosecutor and host of the On Topic podcast, Renato Mariotti. Uh, Renato, thanks for speaking with me today. Absolutely. Happy to be on. Yeah, everyone needs to check out On Topic. It's such a great podcast. Thank you for doing it. Well, absolutely. In our last episode, we had Kate Shaw previewing these arguments. So um, it was she she helped to lay a good uh, groundwork for me as I was listening to him today. Yes, excellent. We had a, a few conversations, too. I was expecting to hear a lot for, about Clinton v. Jones, which we did, and we'll get into that. Um, but I just wanted to start off. What were some of the you know top takeaways, some of the standout moments for you today that you noticed? Yeah, I, to me, the more interesting of the two cases is the case involving the House, uh, really, rather than the Manhattan DA case. And I, to me, um, the moment that that I thought was really important was when Justice Gorsuch asked why they shouldn't defer to the House's views about its own legislative purposes, because – Really, you know, one of the arguments that was being pushed very heavily by 
Trump's lawyers were essentially this argument that there's no real need. You know, I, they called it a, a, in my notes a critical legislative need um, for these documents, and it sort of sets this high bar that, uh, well, just you know, just you may need these documents for your for typical legislation, but you need to have some sort of super you know plus factor that you you know or a higher level of need. And Gorsuch is essentially saying, well, why shouldn't we defer to their own the House's views about about its own legislative purposes? And you know that is important because it harkens back to what the court the standard has been for the court in prior cases. There's a case back from 1955 in which the court made clear that it defers to Congress's view as to whether or not um, it's uh, you know the documents it seeks are. Um, uh, you know, are uh, consistent with its own legislative purposes. So I think, you know, that was a very telling comment because obviously Justice Gorsuch would be a vote that could secure a majority uh, against Trump in that case. Yeah, I, I agree. And I thought that initially, uh, if if Gorsuch goes that way, I assume Roberts would too, and we end up with a 6-3 uh, situation. And that's sort of what my prediction would be. Um, I hate to make predictions, but that, you know, that's what I do. And um, I thought it was also interesting. One of the follow up comments on, on that line of questioning was, you know, what do you expect people to cross examine Congress about what their legislative you know, purpose is? Uh, and I just thought that was a really interesting uh, argument. Um, so and also because, you know, I, I'm more interested in the congressional piece, too, mostly because of the separation of powers. And I thought it was of note when Kagan, Justice Kagan, said to Trump's lawyers that it seems that they want to put a 10 ton weight on the scales between the president and Congress. Can you explain a little bit about what she's what she means there? Well, you know, Congress has, um, you know, traditionally had certain, um, uh, you know, certain powers that it can exert. That are a counterweight to the executive branch, and of course, this balance of power, or you know, is part of a, the constitutional scheme that we have. And you know, the the most important power, which wouldn't be touched touched by this case, is the power of the purse. And Congress has that power and retains that power. Um, but here, you know, another one is its oversight authority, and that's something that you know the con that Congress has pretty extensively uh, exercised throughout its history. And essentially, what they're trying to do is say that Congress can't really meaningfully engage in oversight of what the president is doing, even in his own um, private uh, activities. So it's it's it, it certainly would be a long term curtailing of the of the uh, of the powers of Congress. And really, you know, here you had, I think, you know, members of the Supreme Court, you you know, you, the comments we mentioned a, a moment ago, A.G., were, you know, two members of the court, I think, really looking to the future and how this would impact Congress, you know, in cases subsequent to this one. And I think what Kagan was saying, and I think it was, you know, she's stating the obvious, is the, their, their position, the position being taken by Trump's lawyers is so extreme that it would really create an unbounded executive. Yeah, and I thought it was of note, too, when they were discussing Clinton v. Jones and, you know, the private life and before this was before he was president, uh, et cetera, um, that she brought up, she, you know, because I think I heard uh, Trump's counsel say probably a hundred times that they're trying to harass and undermine the president. And 
I, I thought it was of note that Sotomayor was like, did you think that Jones, Clinton v. Jones, wasn't about undermining the president? That was the, <laughs> that was sort of the whole gist of it. And we decided, uh, I, you know, uh, in favor of Jones. So uh, I, I think it's it's really interesting. But, yeah, the balance of powers is definitely at stake for the future. It's more about the office of the presidency and Congress and not just Schiff and Trump, you know. Yeah, I will say that, you know, what's important there is the really one of the only arguments that um, that Trump had in the VA case is essentially, well, you have all these state prosecutors, they're going to be unleashed and there's going to be this, you know, crazy flood of of uh, in criminal investigations of the president, which is not accurate um, because, of course, the, the prosecutors have to have venue over crimes and separate. But separate and apart from that, of course. There's a fact that civil litigants already – there's way more people who can file a civil lawsuit, uh, and we don't see a rash of civil lawsuits, and the courts have, have allowed the president to be subject to civil lawsuits during his term. Yeah, that was one of the arguments in Clinton v. Jones is they were arguing that they would unleash a flood of civil litigation against the president, and that didn't happen. It did not happen. Um and I, at one point, I wanted to ask you about this. Jay Sekulow, God, love him. Uh, he said uh, they were seeking, they were not seeking absolute immunity, which, by the way, they were. But, <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, we're not seeking absolute immunity. When he when he kind of felt like no one, none of the justices were down with his absolute immunity shit, he said, no, we're just looking for temporary immunity. Uh, but he didn't expand on that. Does that mean immunity as long as he's in office or until the election? What was what did he mean by temporary immunity? What was he going with that? Because he didn't really resolve it. Yeah, I think he meant while the president is in office. And of course, anyone who understands criminal law knows that that is effect, can effectively be absolute immunity if the president is in office for eight, uh, for eight years. Because, for example, the statute of uh, limitations uh, for uh, federal crimes uh, is five years typically. So, you know, you could imagine the president committing a crime in the, uh, you know, first year of his term and effectively running out the clock on the statute of limitations. And I'll note that in the court below, in the court of appeals for the Second Circuit, the um, one of the judges asked, uh, "Well, j just to be clear, are you saying that if?" The, if Trump actually shot someone in Fifth Avenue, you know, hearkening back to his his prior statement, uh, are you saying he could not be prosecuted and or criminally investigated during his term? And the answer is yes, that was their position. And so it's just it, it there's a certain absurdity to that to that position that the court's never going to sign on to. And so I I really think it hurt Trump that they act that they that they uh, took on that case and it was heard in the same day as the congressional case. It seemed to me that there was some willingness in the court to try to, you know, think about sort of a middle ground and there very well may be a position that comes to some sort of a middle ground in that case. But having the other case up on the same day, I feel like really hurt overall because it showed the absurdity of their position. Yeah, and I also don't understand how Seculo could square the idea of temporary immunity while the president's in office, but also immediately demanding at the same time that there be a specific legislative purpose behind the subpoenas. Uh, if he's not in office, the legislative purpose sort of goes away. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and I think, you, you know, of course, there are other reasons why 
even if this immunity was temporary, you would want to investigate in the near term anyways, even if a prosecution can go forward for the reasons Robert Mueller said in his report to preserve uh, witnesses' memories and collect evidence and make sure it's preserved and so forth. A hundred percent, because he was asked that, you know, if you can't indict a president, why do you have an investigation at all? And and that and that is the answer. And and I remember uh, the justices saying, you know, how I think it was Gorsuch. How how do you expect to investigate without subpoenas? Um, so just a very very interesting historical argument. Um, listening to it live uh, because we all couldn't camp out at the courthouse uh, to to hopefully get a seat. Um, but you know, as I said, it seemed that no one, none of the justices, didn't seem comfortable with the absolute immunity um, argument. And that Roberts seemed to be looking for a middle ground. What would a middle ground ruling look like? Would that involve kicking it down to the lower courts? I think what it would involve is the um, is the court saying there would be some standard for what legislative purpose would be. You know what 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 you know what type or what level of legislative purpose that the that Congress would need to have in order to subpoena records related to the president uh, in you know and they'd have to define that in some way, and then they would essentially ask the lower court to um, you know kind of remand it to the lower court to determine you know whether or not uh, there was such a legislative purpose here. That's that's more or less what I. You know, think you might, you know, you might see, and that's still possible. Meaning, like, you know, between giving nothing over and giving everything over that they're asking for, is there some, is there somewhere in the middle where we can uh, set precedent to draw lines on what is subpoenaable? <laughs> that's a yeah, word. or or at least say lower court figure out whether or not they had a good reason for the subpoena, and in the meantime, we're going to have an election. That's kind of unstated, but in the meantime, we'll have an election that will uh, intervene, and so it'll effectively delay this for some period of time during the election. And um, you know, they might, you know, Congress will probably get what it wants anyways, but it might be a year. Yeah, that's sort of what I was getting at um, with the question: is that kicking it down to the lower courts, while that you know legal justice may be done in that case, it seems political justice would not. It would happen after the election. Um, and uh, that would be really a win for Trump. Yep, I think that's right. <laughs> yep, no, <laughs> no silver lining on that one. All right. Um, well, thank you so much uh, for discussing uh, these these oral arguments with me today. We'll go over them in a little more depth over the weekend shows, but I really just wanted to get your top line thoughts. Anything else that stood out to you today, um, specifically? Well, you know what? I, one thing I will just say is. Uh, one problem for Trump is he doesn't have to do anything here. These subpoenas are to third parties who are who want to produce this stuff if the, if that's what the courts tell them to do. And so, you know, since we're going to have a decision at the end of June, you know, it, it, the Manhattan DA very well may have Trump's tax returns before the November election. Yeah, it doesn't mean we'll see him, but he could have them. Uh, exactly. And, yeah, they brought that up a lot. This would be a distraction for the president. M meanwhile, the president's tweeting about Obamagate. But, um, <laughs> you know, this would distract him from being able to, to, do, to execute his constitutional duties. But th the fact of the matter is he doesn't have to lift a finger to, to comply with these subpoenas. It's all on third parties. Exactly. All right. Well, thank you so much. Everybody check out the On Topic podcast. Renato, can you tell everyone where they can find you? Absolutely. You can find the On Topic podcast 
at any of your favorite uh, podcast apps. Uh, it's called On Topic with Renato Mariotti. Or you could go to our website, ontopicpodcast.com, all one word. And, of course, you can find me on Twitter. Uh, my, uh, uh, my handle is R-E-N-A-T-O underscore Mariotti, M-A-R-I-O-T-T-I. Awesome. Thanks so much for joining us today. You take care of yourself. Thanks again. Bye-bye. All right, everybody, stick around. Right after this, we have good news and, of course, quarantine confessions. We'll be right back. Hey, everybody, this Helping of Daily Beans is brought to you by Ancestry DNA. There are many paths to finding out your family's story. Whichever way you choose, tracing your family generations back with a family tree or uncovering your ethnicity with Ancestry DNA, it's easy to get started with Ancestry. Uh, an Ancestry DNA test tells you where your ancestors are from. And Ancestry's billions of records and millions of family trees let you discover their personal stories. Ancestry DNA can reveal ethnic origins and provide historical details that bring unique family stories to life. Ancestry DNA doesn't tell you just what countries you come from, but it, pin it can pinpoint the specific regions within them. It's so detailed. They give you insightful geographic information about your family history. It's truly amazing. You can trace the paths of your recent ancestors and learn how and why your family moved from place to place around the world. No other DNA test delivers such a unique interactive experience. You could find a famous relative, maybe a photo of your great-grandma as a little girl, uh, maybe some military records in your family. But whatever you find, it's sure to change the whole way you look at your family history. After all, the story of your family is the story of you, so it also changes the way you see yourself. Uh, I got my results back. Uh, I learned that I'm related to a comedian musician from the 20s in New York named Harry Reeser. Uh, it's easy to start making discoveries with Ancestry. So grab an Ancestry DNA kit and start a free trial to amplify your discoveries with Ancestry's billions of records online. Start exploring your family story today. Head to my URL at Ancestry.com slash Daily Beans to get your Ancestry DNA kit and start your free trial. That's Ancestry.com slash Daily Beans. All right, everybody, welcome back. It is time for good news. Well, we'll float on good news. It's on the way. All right, so let's go through the good news. Every week, every day, we ask you to send us your good news stories, and uh, Mandy, our producer, compiles those stories, and here we are to deliver them. And again, please, if you're going to submit them and you want to remain anonymous, put that at the beginning <laughs> of your email. <laughs> I've read an entire email with a person's name and gotten to the end, and it says, please don't read my name on air. And I'm like, oh, oh, sorry. Um, Anyway, what what uh, what do we have for good news today? Yes. Uh, all right. Our first piece of good news comes from Lisa. Lisa says, just a little bit of good news. I work for a hospital as an accountant in a relatively rural area, about 35 miles outside of Baltimore. At any given time, we have a few dozen COVID positive patients in house. Whenever a COVID positive patient is discharged or leaves critical care because they've improved, we play Here Comes the Sun. We were able to hear it again this morning in honor of a COVID positive patient who was discharged home. It's such a bright spot in everyone's day anytime we hear it. Hmm. That's beautiful. Very nice. I love those videos. Yeah. I love all of, yeah, like in all this stuff that John Krasinski has been compiling for his some good news segments on YouTube. There's a lot of stuff like that, too. It's just feel good things. Collective celebration. It is lovely. Uh, thank you for. Yeah, definitely check out some good news if you if you haven't yet. It's awesome. Totally. And thank you for your work, Lisa. Uh, next up is from Andrea. Andrea says, every morning on my way to drop my son at my parents before work, 
I'm a bank teller, and while we drive, I listen to the Daily Beans while my four-year-old son plays with his handheld game in the back. The first time the Good News Block came on with the Modest Mouse song, my son immediately asked that I play that song as loud as possible. So now, every morning, first thing when we get in the car, we blast Modest Mouse. When he showers, Modest Mouse. When we dance in the house, Modest Mouse Party, all caps. You have created a fan, and I must thank you for that, because prior he was in a cotton-eyed Joe phase. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, God. I like, I like the folky roots your son has. <laughs> I know. I know he's gonna be a fiddle player. Yeah, he's gonna start his own Mumford and Sons too. Yes, oh, so great. That's so funny. And uh, Andrea Cotton says, Joe phase. <laughs> yeah, Cotton Eye Joe phase. And that they listened to that at they were listening to that at seven fifteen a.m. and that it was literally torture. I love the pod. Thank you for the sanity in this Cotton Eye Joe at seven a.m. in the same world. <laughs> You're welcome. I'm glad. Oh, I didn't even God. think that that was a way that we could help people. And yet here we are. Yeah. I'm going to have that song stuck in my head for the rest of the day. For sure. That's so funny. I won't let it die. It'll live on in our brains. Thank you. <laughs> Your son has started a movement. <laughs> God. All right. Next up from Kelly. Kelly says, I've had terrible insomnia for years, but this shit has made it so much worse. I found that putting any episode of MSW or the Daily Beans lets me drift off or at least stay in a non-nightmare state. At around 3 or 4 a.m. Monday morning, I had put MSW slash Daily Beans on. I was drifting in and out of fitful sleep when out of the darkness... Jordan's dulcet tones resounded Nelson Mandela in my ears. Not only did Jordan pull me out of whatever horrible nightmare I was about to have, but I was also pulled out laughing. I love you ladies so much. Ah, that's so sweet. Hmm. That was when they were trying to compare Flynn and Nelson Mandela. I don't know if you remember or saw them say that, but... I do remember that, and wow. Yes. Yeah. First of all. Wow. Nelson Mandela. <sighs> that was like... That one right-wing nutjob podcaster was like, oh, my God, I had to go to Trader Joe's, and they had one-way aisles, and I had to wear a mask. I can't believe what's happening to America, and I didn't even get a toaster. And and I said, yeah, well, I, man, now you know what it must have been like on the Amistad. God bless you, sir. You know, like, yeah. fuck off, Nelson Mandela. Flynn. Yeah, it's so horribly <sighs> offensive to so many people. What a pile of shit. But I, yeah. I do love that. Uh, I do yes. love that bit of good news, though. Uh, there are a lot of people who fall asleep to us. Yes. I love that. And I think that's a huge compliment because when you're, like, anxious, I was experiencing really bad insomnia before I moved, too, and it's just the fucking worst. And it's, like, it feels like you have, like, restless leg syndrome in your whole body, and it's just such a yes. nightmare. And it's, like, yeah, anything that can just calm you down. Because so it's it's mental. Like, your your body isn't... There's usually not something wrong with your body. It's your brain. So if you can get your brain to chill, um, and if that helps you, that's that's incredible. And very glad. Yeah, I mean, to think about to being able to fall asleep to the news these days is bananas. And I guess <laughs> I guess we present it in such a way that uh, we make it uh, relaxing. It's like a it's like a shit show lullaby. Yes, a <laughs> shit show lullaby. We got an episode title. Yes, um, we do. <laughs> <laughs> Next up from Alyssa. Alyssa says, I may have passed by the skin of my teeth, but I passed the fourth semester of nursing school. Woohoo! Woo! Go, Alyssa! Yay! Yes. That is not easy. Yeah. I see. I've been seeing a few of my friends celebrating that I didn't even know were in nursing school. It's really cool to see. So, badass. Good job. 
go forth <clears throat> to greatness. Yeah, I see a, I see a lot of people getting their JDs too. I love all this this like wave of like young progressive enthusiasm to to study the law since you know Trump is dismantling it bit by bit. I love it. Me too. Me too indeed. Uh next up from Lydia's mom. I had a yearly mammogram last week and then got a call back the next day. They said they saw something and wanted to rescan. Oh god, it freaked me out. I went back in this past week and they determined that I have some cysts. So not nothing, but not cancer. So yay me. Reminder to all the ladies, get your tatas checked. And lastly, thank you for all you do. I start every morning with daily beans. Yay! We're celebrating with you. I love that so much and I can I can 100% I don't I, like I just relate because I had they found uh, a lump uh, probably like five or six years ago had to biopsy it turned out it was benign and so uh, I know that waiting and you know it's it's uh, hats off to you for your b- bravery that just is so hard to do and congratulations that it's mm-hmm. not cancer Definitely. that's such a such wonderful wonderful news yes such a huge relief and finally from Chris I have delivered six kids, most as a surrogate. After the last one in February, I'm pretty sure I'm done. I've gone through periods of being in great shape and periods of being in terrible shape. Right now, I'm somewhere in the middle, but I'm carrying some extra weight, and most of the clothes in my closet are designed to hide it instead of flaunting it. I miss my old body. Yesterday, I went into the attic and pulled down all my old, smaller clothes that I put up there two pregnancies ago. I sorted out all the cute things that I could definitely fit into if I were 30 pounds lighter, and I'm using that fantastic wardrobe to push myself into working out again. With gym's clothes and tango classes not an option, I really needed to that extra motivation to start working out at home. But looking at all those gorgeous dresses, I seriously felt like Julia Roberts and Pretty Woman shopping on Rodea Drive. I've got this. <laughs> Yay! Yes, you do. You work on commission? You work on commission? <laughs> Big mistake. Huge. <laughs> that's so yeah that's so rad I feel like at home workouts I've grown really accustomed to myself and it's so nice just because outside of like you know any sort of physical gains it's also so nice for your brain to just to like push through something and get it done and and then when when it's over just yeah I don't know it just feels like it makes your day more fulfilling sort of like using this body that we're really lucky to have and and it feels uh it feels really nice. So good luck on your journey and that's badass. You have to post pictures of the dresses or if you want to post them or you don't have to post them at all. If you feel inclined, I'd love to see the dresses. Uh yeah, that, me too. Y- yes. And that's it for good news, everybody. Like AG said, you can tweet them to us at Daily Beans Pod or email them to us. And uh, yeah, definitely let us know if you want them to be anonymous. We had a bunch of brave souls on this one. All real names. Nice. But that's our good <laughs> news for today. Uh, <laughs> coming up next, we got our quarantine confessions. Okay, favorite. This is my new favorite segment. Uh, We are getting massive amounts of submissions, and there's a new way to submit. We're only taking submissions one way now. You go to our Twitter feed, at Daily Beans Pod, and the pinned tweet has a link to a Google form, and that's where you flood us with your suggestions uh, and and your confessions, I should say. So that is the one place we're accepting them. So, uh, And again, if you want to remain anonymous, put it at the beginning of what you're saying. (laughs) 
Otherwise, yes. I'll just read it. Yes. Um, but what do we have for today, Jordan? Uh, we have. First up from Anonymous. I am well into my 20s and quarantining with my parents. While it has a lot of perks like dogs and space and trees, I have found that it brings out some old angsty high school habits as well. Two confessions for you. One, I will pretend to have a work call so I can eat my lunch alone in my room. And two, I turned off notifications for my family group chat because my dad was sending updates on the shipping of care packages to my siblings and grandmother as though it was the new Olympic sport. Sorry, dad. I simply don't care that the package made it with three minutes to spare. Thank you, ladies, for all you do making the news tolerable in a, a very anxious time you keep me informed and sane that's awesome that is awesome love that uh next up from jamie jamie says my oldest girl is seven and before all of this she was learning how to wash and brush her own hair it's long and curly so it's a challenge for her i always came in behind and come through it frequently since quarantine and no school hygiene just didn't seem to matter that much i figured they play in the sprinkler that counts as a bath right until yesterday mm -hmm. i looked at her hair and realized it was one giant rat's nest that could conceal several small animals. I could not remember the last time she or I washed, much less combed her hair. It took me 30 plus minutes and half a Costco-sized bottle of conditioner to pick through her poor hair. In the future, I'll set reminders oh. to bathe my kids. <laughs> <laughs> oh my. That's so funny. I totally know that struggle because my little sister Jackie has the curliest oh. hair. She does. Oh my God. Brushing her hair as a kid literally she would cry because it was just like it gets so freaking tangled if you you have to maintain it her hair is massive yes it's massive yes she's got hair like brave it. that uh pixar movie um mm -hmm. or whatever that is is that pixar who knows anyways yeah totally feel that uh next up from leslie Leslie says, the, mother the Mother's Day present I asked for was to have a few hours out of my house not being a mom. So I met my cousin in a nearby field, folding chairs six feet apart, and we set up to spend the afternoon getting drunk like when we were in high school. We hadn't yet poured <laughs> yeah. our drinks when it started raining, and we had to pack Aww. up and dash back to her house. So instead, we sheltered in her garage, sitting far apart, her between two cars and me next to the garbage cans, drinking mimosas and eating cheese and crackers. But it was still heaven just to be by ourselves. However, I hadn't factored in needing to use the bathroom in quarantine mode and eventually had to have my husband come pick me up because I didn't want to pee in her bushes. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. Oh, sorry about the rain. Sorry you got rained out. Yeah, that is a bummer. That does sound so fun, though. That's a great idea. And and just a reminder, the best Mother's Day present is to just not have to be a mother for a minute. That's mm -hmm. like, that's what we always got my mom was like, go out of the house, go to whatever, have a spa day or just get out, like go and don't worry about us. Well, we got it. You yeah, know? totally. It's sweet. Um. All right. Next up from Unky Herb. I like that name. Uh, I have a similar recycling day situation as someone posted previously. My wife was in the shower and overheard the recycling truck coming down the road. She shouted out to me, still in bed and naked. I leaped out of bed, grabbing the only thing I could find to cover myself. A small paw print pattern dog towel. I rushed downstairs <laughs> to find the truck halfway down the road already. So I grabbed my overstuffed recycling wheelie bin and heaved it down the road towards them, badly stubbing my toe in the process. I managed to catch oh. one of the workers' attention and delivered it to him. And after thanking the guy, I began my journey back. At this point, the adrenaline rush faded. I noticed that my toe was gushing blood and hurting a lot. Oh my god. As I oh, hobbled back I hate home. That. I hate that. 
Yeah, that's awful. As I hobbled back home, I started to see the situation around me. I realized that there was a large queue of cars waiting behind the truck, enjoying what seemed to be a safari tour, exploring (laughs) the local specimen of a hairy, unshaved man, Corona Beard, awkwardly lurking along, blood covering his foot. I've never seen such a wide variety of expressions all looking my way. My toe no longer hurts, but my pride is forever scarred. It reminds me of uh, uh, in the jerk when Steve Martin is naked and he chases her out of the bathtub and, and he's out like she leaves when he's in the bathtub and mm-hmm. he gra- like he grabs his dog to cover up his front and then he grabs his neighbor's dog to cover up his butt and he's walking around with like two little dogs. Oh my god! Sandwiched in between two little dogs so and the woman funny. whose dog he grabbed to cover his butt is like horrified. Oh my god. That's so funny. I hope, yeah, I'm glad your toe's okay, but you just made all of those people's days. I'm sure you're at on at least 10 different Instagram stories <laughs> currently. Oh, <laughs> yep. Oh, God, that's so funny. There's nothing more comedically fantastic than a dude hobbling out trying to cover his dick. <laughs> it's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> oh, it's amazing. Also, sorry to make that gendered uh, genitalia-wise. Anyone trying ah. to cover their pubic region. It's hilarious. You're just it's like... It's funnier when dudes do it. Yes, just walking around like a penguin. Just like desperately trying. <laughs> oh my god. So funny. Well, because they don't have ma- to worry about the boobs. So No, they you know. don't. Yeah, that's so true. If you're... Uh- <laughs> If you get old enough as a woman, you can kill two birds with one stone. Your boobs will cover your pubes. <laughs> <laughs> Boob pubes. Boob pubes. Um, and at that point, the boobs are so unrecognizable, you don't even need to cover them. <laughs> so it's just... <laughs> like Magda uh, from Something About Mary. <laughs> yes. Uh, oh, my God. That image is seared into my brain watching that movie as a small uh, child. I- <laughs> I know. I can't believe they did that to us. That yeah. and the Franks and Beans. Yes. So funny. Uh, all right. Two more. Next up from Anonymous. Anonymous says, as our household toilet paper supply started to dwindle, I began to get really nervous. It's pretty much impossible to find in stores where I live, and it's never available for grocery store delivery either. I decided to try Amazon and was able to order a 48-pack of commercial-use single-ply. On the one hand, I am relieved to be able to re-up on the TP supply and share with my family and friends who need it, but on the other hand, using Amazon feels immoral. I feel like a Russian oligarch doing dirty business and have visions of myself on a throne made of TP rolls, making it rain single-ply sheets. XOXO, Vladimir Poopin. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's so funny. What do you call somebody (laughs) who orders toilet paper from Amazon? Vladimir Poopin. Oh, that's so good. I totally feel you on that struggle because I I canceled my Amazon Prime membership back with the NRA TV fiasco when they, like, refused to take them off. And... I don't remember. I don't think I've. Cre- I haven't ordered anything from them since then. I may have created an account at one point to like think about ordering something, and then I bailed and didn't order because yeah, I just. But I've I've gone without stuff for sure that I kind of need actually. But but you know everyone has like a breaking point, especially if you literally can't even find it in the stores. So don't don't beat up too hard on yourself. It's not your fault that the people in your area are like either panic buying or whatever's leading you to literally not be able to find it. So 
we have to use the resources that we have and it's totally okay. I'm sure if if anyone's going to understand um if yeah, it's okay. It's my point. It's us. If anyone's going to understand, it's 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 the compassionate left-wing people. Yes, precisely. Um okay, last from Jordan. Best name. Confession slash pro tips for exhausted parents. One, shitty board games go by twice as fast if you add extra dice. (laughs) Oh my god, that's great. You're like, my god, I'm getting a candy mountain in no time at all. (laughs) This is this is incredible. One roll and you're there. You win. Heart cheesy. Woo. (laughs) Oh, that's so funny. Um, two. Hand toddlers and old TV remote and stream some YouTube video games to the TV if they're too young to be any good at real ones. <laughs> That's cute. Um, three, memorize a simple logic riddle. If they're whiny, say that they need to be quiet for five minutes unless they can solve it. If they get it, memorize a new one. Example, there are three boxes of fruit. One contains only apples, one only oranges, and one is a mix. Due to an error, they're all labeled wrong. If you can look at just one piece of fruit from just one of the boxes, how can you label them all correctly? Ooh. (laughs) Wait. Now I'm going to sit here and try to think. (laughs) It worked. (laughs) One contains only apples, one only oranges, one is a mix. Oh, my. Well, I don't know. There's people listening, screaming the answer in their brains. Do you know? <laughs> I'm not going to fall for this. He's just trying to keep quiet. <laughs> There's just 30 minutes of silence for the rest of the podcast. Um, <laughs> this is where he wants to fall asleep. That's yeah. what it is. Uh, uh, okay. And finally, four, encourage them to play Ninja, a game where you sneak around the house as quietly as possible without anyone noticing. Hope this helps someone else out. That's so cute. That is very cute. Yes. My gosh. I, I like the, yeah, quiet. That's much better than quiet time, mm-hmm. by the way. Totally. Yeah. Then you're like, God, that's the best parenting shit I've ever heard. Because then you're, you, your kid's quiet, but they're also like getting smarter or at least trying to be. <laughs> it's amazing. Uh, that's it, everybody. Thank you. Yeah. And as far as that riddle goes, I'm not sure, but uh, because on, because one is labeled apples and oranges and and none of the labels are correct right uh i you then open one that like open the apples one and since none of them are correct that boss that box either contains only apples or only oranges yeah you know what i mean yeah one piece of fruit well yeah maybe like like if you go to the apples box and you p- pull an apple out of it and it's labeled apples only and you know the label is wrong then that's got to be the mixed box. Yeah, that's brilliant. Maybe that uh, would be it. But then you're gambling, <laughs> kind of, right? Yeah, I'll figure it out. I'll figure it out. I will. It reminds me of the labyrinth puzzle. Uh, one of us always lies and one of us always tells the truth. If you can tell us which one it is, we'll, we'll tell you which way, to, which way it is to the castle. It's a very good one. Very good logic problem. Yes. I'm just staring up at my ceiling. <laughs> just with my mouth open. Uh. <laughs> just thinking about these things. Um, maybe maybe Jordan is so smart, Jordan just created an impossible riddle. And that's it. It keeps, it keeps him silent indefinitely. 
Well, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> it's a process of elimination, Riddle. Yes. Wait, sure. is, is what Unless you... A- oh, I was going to say, is what you said the actual answer? Did you look it up online? No, I haven't looked it up. I haven't looked it up. But I would go for either the Apple's boxes or the orange box because... Totally. If... Yeah, I I don't know. I'll think about it. But um, process of elimination for real. <laughs> yes. Now I want to do the experiment. I, I feel like if I had the boxes of fruit right. and mislabeled them, I'd be able to figure it out. <laughs> yes, exactly. For some reason, it's like so hard to conceptualize. But yeah, you're totally right. Yeah, I might do that with like, you know, what do I have that I can? I've got blue pens and red pens and and black pens i can do i can and or i just need blue and red and then i can mix one and then i mislabel the boxes i'm gonna do it i'm gonna i'm gonna do it i love this this is what happens when your brain is mush after trying to decipher a minute order left by judge sullivan on the thing and trying to translate it on twitter yeah totally um i do that i like i'll think really really hard and critically about something for a long time and then i'll just be like hey everybody is it windy sure it's thursday time for a drink okay bye you know i like i just lose my mind after it just goes to it just goes to mush absolutely all right well thank you for all uh the confessions if you want to submit a confession again go to our twitter feed at daily beans pod follow us there we're having some contests and once we hit twenty thousand followers we're going to select some winners uh, including um, a virtual meet and greet um, with everybody uh, from the pod, the staff, and, and you and friends. And then also uh, we, we're going to organize those also additionally. And then once this is all over, you know, we still, we're still going to fly out and have some drinks with you uh, when it's, you know, socially safe to do so. And um, thank you for submitting. And thanks to patrons for being patrons. And if you can't, swing it thank you for listening you know please subscribe uh and and give us a rating and thank you for being here and giving us something to do any final thoughts not for me not today other than be well yep and uh stay positive keep your hopes up we have a lot to look forward to um and we have each other no matter what so everyone take care of yourselves and take care of each other take care of the planet and take care of your mental health i've been ag i've been jordan coburn And them's the beans. The Daily Beans is executive produced and directed by A.G. and Jordan Coburn and engineered and edited by Mackenzie Mazell and Starburns Industries. Our marketing manager, executive assistant, production and social media direction is Amanda Reeder. Fact-checking and research by A.G., Jordan Coburn, and Amanda Reeder. Our music is written and performed by They Might Be Giants. Our web design and branding are by Joelle Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. And our website is dailybeanspod.com.